The psalmist wrote in Psalm 118, 22, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Um, you can take your seats and uh, while you're doing that, let's get our Bibles out and open them up, if you would, to um, John uh, chapter 19. We're going to be going there in a few moments. Uh, but our theme for our, our Good Friday services and Easter uh, Sunday services is Cornerstone. And we think about Jesus Christ being called the cornerstone. It happens a number of times in Scripture in Mark 12, 10, especially as we think about the death of Christ. It says, have you not read the Scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. In Acts 4, 11, it says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Um, the idea of cornerstones in our society today is like a plaque on a wall of a building. They stick it in there and it's got a date on it and, and maybe uh, some words or whatever. But that's not what the idea of cornerstone was back in the time when scripture was written. The cornerstone was a very important part of a building. Um, it was probably the largest stone. It was the most solid stone. It was very strategically uh, put in place. And it was used then for every measurement that remained. Everything was aligned to the cornerstone. Um, And that is the picture that we have of Jesus Christ. Um, He is the one that everything is aligned to. Um, He is the foundational piece. He is the standard of measurement. He is the one that we find our alignment in. And so Jesus Christ is pictured as this cornerstone. Unfortunately, sadly... Uh, The world rejected him. We rejected him as this cornerstone. So why Good Friday? Why Good Friday? As as we think about today, as we think about what is accomplished on this day, why is this so important? Um, Good Friday is important because Scripture teaches us that we have a debt we can't pay. We have a separation from God that we can't fix. There's nothing we can do to accomplish it. And and the work of Jesus Christ, the one who was rejected as the cornerstone, satisfied what God required. Uh, Jesus Christ hanging on a cross is all part of God's grace and all part of God's mercy, but it's also part of God's justice in accomplishing what needed to be filled so that salvation could be available, so that we could be restored in relationship uh, to our God. A few months ago, a couple months ago, Pastor Jason and I were talking about Romans 5 and and Romans 6, and uh, we were looking at it even from the thought of Easter and In Romans chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. Once for all. So the message today is entitled Cornerstone, His Death, No Other Way. um, If you get nothing else today, get this, get this. There was no other way. There was no other way. There is no other way to, to be, to be uh, God's wrath to be satisfied. There was no other way for us to be restored in relationship to a holy, just, loving, caring God. There was no other way. The only way was through the cross. The only way was through the work of Jesus Christ. And so we want to look at three things very quickly today, but here's the first thing. The death of Christ, the death of Christ, understand it. Understand it. This, uh, this idea of no other way, Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name. 
no other way. And so this death of Christ, we need to understand it. So what's going on on this day? What's going on as we lead up to Easter Sunday? Um, you know, if you think about it, you had the, the Last Supper, it's Thursday night, and uh, the Last Supper happens, and Jesus is there with them, and um, they have communion together. He breaks bread. We're going to do that at the end of the service. And uh, they have the cup. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. He talks about the bread uh, being his body and the cup representing his blood. And as often as you do this, do this so you'll always remember me. He says, I'm not going to do this again with you until I do it with you in glory. We look forward to that. But on this day, Jesus has just met with them. Jesus has just had this communion with them. Judas has been in the room. He's had the bread. He drank the cup. And now he's gone out to deceive the Lord Jesus Christ. They go to the Garden of Gethsemane and we have the confrontation that happens there. The betrayal by Judas. Peter lops off the servant of the high priest's ear. Uh, Jesus restores it. And then Jesus is arrested and he's taken away and the mock trials all happen and, and he's taken before Pilate and all of this is going on. All of this is going on. And in the world, it looks like a, a, a sinful failure of a man. But in eternity, something amazing is going on. There's the whipping There's the crown of thorns on his head and Pilate delivers Jesus over to them. And so I hope you've got your Bibles open to John 19. I want to read you uh, that text as we think about the work of Jesus Christ. In John 19, starting in verse 17, it says this, and so they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there they crucified him. And with him, two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic and Latin and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. And when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each of the soldiers also was tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. And so they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says they divided my garments among them. For my clothing, they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus was his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother, the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciples took her to his own house. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished and said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. You know, as I think about that text, there were three things that really stood out for me um, 
And if you read it again, there'll be three different things maybe, but the first thing was the picture of the crucifixion, and I'm not going to take a lot of time today to to take a look at what that really meant, but just how awful that was. Um, Even in the uh, thing that we saw, it talked about you pushed with your feet so that you could breathe, and the pain and the anguish and all that he was going through. Don't let that slip by you. What Jesus Christ suffered so that your sin could be satisfied before an almighty, a righteous God. The picture of the crucifixion is a gruesome, ugly picture. Um, That stood out to me. To fulfill the scriptures, that stood out to me. What Jesus is doing here is fulfilling what God's word said. Prophecies are being fulfilled. Many things throughout the, we don't have time to get into that today, but many Old Testament prophecies are now being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But from a, a human point of view, Words that stood out to me were the words about um, who was there. By the cross of Jesus were his mother. Can you imagine being her on that day? You're, You're standing there, you're watching as your son is nailed to a cross. All those things that you heard back in Luke chapter two and all the things that you thought about your son, that he was going to be a king and what he was going to do. And is now, there he is, he's on a cross. This is, Lord, this is not the way I thought it was going to work out. And she's watching as her son is hung on a cross. As he cries out at the end, it is finished. The death of Christ, we need to, understand it it's over Jesus is dead from the sake of the for the sake of the religious leaders he's gone we win it's done but the moment Jesus Christ died a seismic shift has occurred the spotless lamb the blood has been paid the price that was required has been satisfied. God's wrath for on mankind is satisfied in Jesus Christ. The pathway to a restored relationship with our holy God is now set in place. So sad and so pathetic is that day. And yet so awesome is that day for us. When we think about the work of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus Christ. Understand it. Understand it. The death of Jesus Christ, accept it. That's the second point. The second death of Jesus Christ, accept it. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3, it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. So why did Jesus die? Why did he have to die? Here's a, here's a few reasons. Uh, the first one, obvious, we've already been talking about it. It was, the, it was the punishment for sin. It was what was required so God's wrath could be satisfied. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. Without Jesus Christ, we die separated from God. The wages of sin is death. None is righteous, not even one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, the only way God's righteousness would be satisfied was through a death, through a death of a spotless lamb. The picture of the Old Testament is all about the sacrifices, and all of that was picturing Jesus Christ and what he would do. And so this, this work of Jesus Christ on this day, the death of Jesus Christ, except it, it was the punishment for my sin. It was the punishment for your sin. Why did Jesus have to die? Well, the promise required an innocent death. 
You know, back in in Genesis 3.15, when Adam and Eve sinned, God banished them from the garden. But he didn't leave them without hope of reconciliation. He promised he would send a savior to defeat the serpent. Way back at the very beginning of our Bible in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. This is God speaking to Satan. He will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Until Christ's death, men would sacrifice innocent lambs and goats and bulls as a picture of what was going to be accomplished in this act in Jesus Christ. God himself provided the only sacrifice. Jesus alone could atone for the sins of his people. God's perfect son fulfilled God's perfect requirement. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says, For our sake he made him to be sin." who knew no sin. Wow. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Why did Jesus have to die? Well, the prophets foretold that would happen and we're not gonna go into that today. We don't have time to do that, but just all kinds of scriptures in the Old Testament that point towards who Jesus is and what he would do are now being fulfilled. And in John chapter 19, so that the scriptures could be fulfilled. It goes on in other places in that chapter as well. So that the scriptures would be fulfilled. What Jesus is doing is fulfilling what God promised back in Genesis 3.15 is now being accomplished in Jesus Christ. And why did Jesus have to die? Because God couldn't let sin go unpunished. What separated us from God had to be satisfied. And it is satisfied. It was satisfied on that day in the work of Jesus Christ. Believe it. Jesus is a historical fact. Jesus was a real person. He really did live. He really did die. It's a necessary fact. The death was the only way that the wrath of God could be satisfied. And it's a personal fact that Jesus did that for me. Jesus did that for you. John 3, 16, we sang it already. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Here's the third and final point. The death of Jesus Christ, do not waste it. Do not waste it. The work of the cross saves. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Yeah, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Don't waste this day. Don't waste this remembrance. Don't waste this time hearing God's word. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, See, for so many Christians, Easter is about, yeah, we go to church on Easter. You go to church on Christmas. The work of Jesus Christ changes us. We're going to that on Sunday as we talk about the resurrection. But don't waste this work. This, this is not just a, oh no, that was gruesome. That was awful. That was bad. Man, Jesus must be awesome. And, and, and lose the reality that what Jesus Christ did, he did for me. What Jesus Christ did, he did for you. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, this is the day. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's the way you get right with God. That's the way things are restored. That's the way God's wrath is satisfied. Not by you trying harder or working more, but by coming under and understanding. It's only by the work of Jesus Christ, that we can have eternal life. Accepting the fact that I'm a sinner and I need a savior and his name is Jesus. I don't earn it. 
I don't deserve it. Christ hanging on the cross is God's free gift of salvation for me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today and be saved. Don't waste it. It saves, but it also keeps us. Uh, In in Romans chapter uh, six, um, it talks about, it says this in the first part, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace, may be, that grace may abound? By no means. Again, we'll come back to that on Sunday, but the reality is what Jesus Christ has done for us, this by no means, it, it's changing us, it's conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. We live out of the work of the gospel in Jesus Christ every day. Don't waste this day. Don't waste this opportunity to consider who Jesus is and, and, and looking at him and understanding what he's done, it keeps us from sin. It, it keeps us from falling into our own path of I want what I want. I don't want what God wants. I, I'm going after my stuff because of who he is, because of what he's done. One day, because of the work of Jesus Christ, we'll be delivered over from this world and its death and its failure into glory. Don't waste the work of Jesus Christ. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, you've been delivered from the penalty of sin. It's been accomplished in Christ. You've also been delivered by the, from the power of sin. Sin does not have to have dominion over us. We, we live in the power of the Holy Spirit and, and understanding who Jesus is should be driving us more and more every day to be like him and want to be like him and moving as far away as we can in repentance from the world and sinfulness and as much as we can more and more every day towards being like Jesus Christ. We're, we're removed from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. And, hey, and one day from the, even the very presence of sin. So don't waste this day. What Jesus has accomplished for us is an awesome thing. In Romans chapter six and verse six, it says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of, of, of sin might be brought to nothing so that we are no longer enslaved to sin. Well, so what? So what? Easter is, Easter is not a once-a-year thing for church. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. If, if Easter isn't a, yeah, well, we'll talk to some people. We'll maybe get some people to come to church. And I realize all of this is messed up in a pandemic. But Easter isn't a, yeah, we'll just do our religious thing once a year. Easter is so, so, so much more than that. Easter is the cornerstone Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the one that everything in our lives, in our church, is to be measured from and, and taken from. We, we had a friend who built a house up in Muskoka, and I remember talking to a guy who was in doing renovations on that house, and, and he said, yeah, I was in doing renovations, and from the basement to the top floor, um, things are out by about three inches. It's because there was a mistake down here. Everything is thrown off. Everything we do is measured from the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Without Good Friday, there's no salvation. Without Good Friday, there's no resurrection. Without Good Friday, there is no eternal hope. The death of Christ. Understand it. Accept it. 
And don't waste it. Because Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reality of who Jesus Christ was. We thank you that he came, that he lived the exemplary, perfect, spotless lamb of God life so that he could satisfy your wrath, your hatred of sin. And because that wrath was satisfied, we have hope in salvation through Jesus Christ alone. But Lord, those decisions have to be made on a personal level. We have to make that decision to trust, to believe Jesus Christ and to be saved. I pray for anybody who's here today or anybody who's listening today who's never trusted Christ, that today they would turn from their sin, understanding who Jesus is and put our trust in you alone, you God, you alone in Jesus Christ for our salvation. But Lord, if followers of Jesus Christ, help us not to waste this day either. Help us to live out of the gospel rejoicing in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Do this work, God, I pray, for your fame and for your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.